Chapter 20 A half an hour later, Philip introduced six men as they were brought into the room. They had all just about survived prison camp, all under the umbrella of Auschwitz. They had all been able-bodied men. As such, they had ended up in what was called sub-camps. Another thing they all had in common, none of them were Jewish. Freddy, Paddy, James, Martin, Derek, John introduced themselves. We need our story to be told as well. We each watched hundreds of non-Jews die. We were useful to the Germans. Other non-Jews were not. They were killed because they were artists, intellectuals, Jehovah Witnesses, homosexuals, gypsies, physically and mentally impaired. Any impure race, all gassed. We all want to speak up for them. Poland had over 40 subcamps, said John. It shocked Paula that thousands of non-Jews had been gassed. I was in Bismarckut in a factory. We did The work was very hot and heavy. We made cannons and armed vehicles. We did our best to weaken a component that would last only a couple of weeks. Many were shot in the head when this happened. It was like being in a silent battle. Most died when the English bombers dropped their bombs, knowing they would die. They still lit torches in the rocks whenever they got a chance. Paddy spoke next. I was in a a factory that made uh, electrical components for aircrafts and submarines. As the air raids sounded, they would chain workers to the front gates, mostly the women. I was a coal miner. Mining is hard at the best of times. If anyone was not worth their weight, they were just shot in the head and stepped over. I worked in a factory where the women produced coal tar. I was working on the family, the factory extension, said James. I slaved away making train wheels, Martin said with a weary sigh. I worked cutting down trees in the forest all day long. I was used to remove unexploded bombs. Many did not survive. If you lost a limb, you were shot in the head. Paula and Philip just sat staring at each other in the still silence as the clock in the room seemed to have risen in volume. The men had just left. They told their stories to Philip, as Paula used shorthand to get every word down. Paula spoke first. Did that just happen? Philip's face broke into a smile. 
when you took out the photograph album asking them to take a look and they started naming and pointing at photographs all at once. They named and matched 25 correctly, said Philip. We now know it is the people in the sub camps we need to find and talk to. They all worked closest to the top brass, who had to keep an eye on things for Hitler. We will get them all, said Paula. Yes, we have made a big step forward today. The resistance will get the network up and going straight away. You may be on the move sooner than we thought, smiled Philip. How did you find them? asked Paula. They found me. When you asked, would they stand up in court and they said, try stop us, I felt relief flood through my body, said Paula. As they were all sitting eating lunch with a glass of wine, there was an air of excitement and happiness filling the room. We are making a difference, thank God, said one of the kitchen staff. We are, said Philip. I will have to travel more. It's so good to know you will have my back here, keeping all feeling welcome, said Paula. Philip stood up and announced, I am ready to get back to work, he smiled. The rest all agreed and started to leave the table. Paula now sat at her desk, waiting for her next appointment. She thought of home, worrying. Yet another Christmas away. She'd only managed one at home. She had spent four, or was it five, with her French family. This hurt her heart. I will have to find a church this Christmas and try and connect with home more. There was a knock on the door, pulling Paula back from her thoughts. Come in, you must be Sadie. Come, sit in this chair, it's very comfortable. Paula indicated to an armchair by the fire. Winter had arrived with full force today. Sadie Cohn smiled at Paula. As she sat down, taking her scarf from around her neck, saying thank you to Paula. Sadie's eyes were like dark pools of wisdom. Paula could not take her eyes off them. I have come to help in any way I can. That's wonderful, smiled Paula. Would you like some coffee or perhaps some water? asked Paula. No, thank you. The ladies in the kitchen have already been very kind to me, answered Sadie. You can start anywhere you like, said Paula, encouraging Sadie with a smile. I will just start. If I think about it too long, I will lose courage. My name is Sadie Cohn. I was married six months and visiting my family on the day of horror. My father was a rabbi, so we were taken very early on back in the early 1940s. My father was shot on the street we lived on, in front of my mother, my brother and I. I have no tears left. 
Hopefully someday they will return. Then I will know I am becoming human again. Paula is sitting in silence, giving Sadie the space to talk as Sadie empties out her soul. My brother was young and strong and was taken to a men's work camp. My mother I have just found out, with so many other women, having given all their strength. They were all useless and so gassed. My brother, I have been told, is still alive. We have yet to meet. I pray to God it will be soon. Can you help with this? Here is a form. I can help you fill it in, said Paula. What am I saying, thought Paula. Thank you, no, if I stop my flow now. It may take a long time to speak again. I know nothing of what happened to my husband, as he was luckily not with me that day. I had just turned twenty. I was attending university. My, do my husband is ten years older than me and had qualified as a doctor. I pray this may have saved him. Sadie became silent for a moment, takes in a deep breath and lets it out slowly, breathes deeply again and then starts to speak. I was taken from the train and pushed aside, told to join a line of young ladies. I counted twenty by the time the rest had been pushed towards the big gates of the camp. As I stood there, it did not go unnoticed to me that we were all beautiful. We are now being walked with our few belongings towards a building. We have been walking for about thirty minutes. We can hear music playing. I start to try step backwards and am rewarded with a butt of a rifle in my back. I just knew where we are heading into a German brothel. A pain crushed my heart and I fell to my knees to be pulled up by my hair. We are each locked into a dark room with a double bed. Soon there were screams of pain surrounding me. I can now hear the soldiers' boots getting closer to my door. They will not break my mind. I screamed inwardly. I undressed, folded my clothes and closed my eyes, summoning up the image of my husband. I stood waiting for the door to burst open. And it did. The soldier came to a full stop in surprise as he stood looking at me with his mouth open. I stood there seducing him with smiles. He is young, something he mustn't have seen before. I walked towards him and put my hand on my husband's face in my mind's eye. The soldier didn't move, his eyes filled with tears as I could hear the screams of pain all around me. You must scream, he said. Sarah seemed to be staring out into the distance in her mind. I'm sitting here afraid to make a sound or move, thought Paula. 
Then with a little movement of her head, Sarah was back in the room. She looked at me with cold eyes. You judge me for surviving, she asked. Not at all, answered Paula. Sarah's eyes were still very cold, so different from when she had come into the room. What would you know, she asked. Paula did not know how she would answer, and there was silence for a few moments. Paula began to speak, ripping wide her own wound. My life has not been easy. A German officer put his eye on me, used me, handed me over to two soldiers to bring back to the farm I was working on. They both abused me and left me for dead in a ditch. Only I was working on it undercover. I would not have been missed so quickly. I would be dead now. Nothing we have both done will bring us shame. A little warmth returned to Sarah's eyes. I am sorry you have suffered as I did, she whispered. Paula went to the big bookcase in the room. Would it be too hard to look at some photographs today? That is why I came today, to help. Although I had few officer clients, a few in the beginning. If the offer still stands for a coffee, I would love one now. Of course, I could do with one myself. Paula says as she puts the photograph album on the desk, heading out of the room to or get the coffee and order a light lunch. Paula is pouring the two cups of coffee and about to return with them when a smiling girl says, don't forget the biscuit for the saucer. Paula smiled and thanked her. Here we are. I've ordered a light lunch for us both. Sarah looked up from the photographs, smiling. She said, I can name two. Now taking her cup from Paula. That's so wonderful. There was an air of satisfaction between them as they enjoyed their coffee. That evening back at the farm, they were all very tired. The difference this evening, it was a contented tiredness. Lisa, Ben and John ran the farm. It was coming to life beautifully. Everyone finding their own pleasure within the day. The little things that made them smile. As Paula looked around the table, she felt so grateful to each and every one of them. Grandma ruled the roost like a mother hen, as she had since her son and daughter-in-law had died five years apart. Maria had gotten cancer. Frank had never gotten over it. Gran was sure he had died of a broken heart. Ben had just been a boy when Paula had arrived. Now he sat at the table, a promising young man. For a moment it saddened her. She had missed out on so much with her own family. She dearly loved them. She had to admit she knew little of them. Lisa was her lifeline. They were good for each other. 
close enough in age to enjoy girl talk and giggles in the dark of the night as sisters do. Christmas was just around a corner and after a stressful day at work, Paula is walking into the church to find some peace, to quiet her mind. The poor soul she had met today had stories beyond belief, so many it seemed unending. As she sat on the wooden pew, she asked God, Why me? Have I not had enough? She was deep in despair when she heard a voice begin to sing. Lovely baby, safe and warm, in his mother's arms, came to save the world for us. Will we understand the beauty of the world is ours? Lo, lo, Lulan, lo, lo, Lulan, the holy child. See the star shining so bright, there to guide the way. Radiant beams of light shone down to where the baby lay. Lo, lo, Lulan, lo, lo, Lulan, the tiny child. Paula felt a warmth fill her heart. The choir was practising for midnight mass. She would be at it, she promised. People's spirits were high. Christmas was approaching fast. Although most were starting from scratch, they were busy every evening making colourful paper chains and lanterns with clear sweet paper windows. Paula really felt like she belonged this year. They had been through so much together. If I had not to work in the town hall, do you know what I'd like to do, Lisa? said Paula. What? asked Lisa with interest. I'd like to open a clothes shop in town. It has been a dream of mine for many years. In her mind, she added, Patty. It is a nice dream, sighed Lisa. I dream that we will breed the finest horses in France, said Lisa, looking out the kitchen window at the horses in the front field. She sees Ben starting to stable the horses for the night. Come on, we'll give Ben a hand. As they left the kitchen, Paula spoke her thoughts out loud. Do you know I have never ridden a horse? Lisa looked at her in disbelief. That we can fix in the morning. Will you show me how to make a dress pattern? Fair trade, smiled Paula. Christmas Eve, Paula is handed a pile of mail with London stamps. At last, Maine from home. She smiled as she sat down behind the desk. Oh, I need a cup of coffee to go with this, she said out loud, heading back out of the room and down to the kitchen. How good it is to receive uncensored letters. Ah, good, they have received my gifts. Opening a card from her mother and Pat, a pound note fell out. 
We weren't sure what we could send. Get yourself a nice treat. We will set your place at the table, praying next year that you are with us. Love, ma'am. I love you too, she smiled, and there was a gentle knock on the door. Kathleen Perrier walked into the room, smiling. She was carrying a gift for Paula. This is a nice surprise, said Paula. You look wonderful. Thank you. Here is one of my pear tarts for your family, Paula. I have had a slice of your pear tart. It's wonderful. I would like to take a look at the photographs you have. That's great, said Paula, opening an album she had on the desk. Now sitting, Catherine starts to look, turning many pages before she points to a photograph and names it correctly. This is very good, sighed Paula. <coughs> Catherine began to speak. We had a fruit farm, mostly pears. We sold fruit, preserves and baked tarts, which we sold from a little shop we had on the farm. They were very popular.